Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. All right, guys. Hey, get your Bibles out. Let's get ready for the word. Get ready, get ready, and (laughs) get ready. I'm just just telling you. Okay, no. Song of Songs, uh, chapter one, verse one. This is our foundational text for the scripture or for what we're doing in the series. And it really felt impressed to the Lord that right now in February, we launched a relationship series. We do every February. It just makes sense. And what we wanted to look at and address in the word is uh, dating, sex, and marriage. And so I know that sometimes that can be, whoa, you're talking about what? In church. And here's what I feel. I feel the Bible's always appropriate and applicable to life. Amen? And so we'll talk about it in a way that's not just you know, crazy or whatever. But I, I think it's important for the church to have a voice on these topics. And, and I think part of why we're in the way we are, the culture and society today, is because the, the church is silent on too many topics that are so important. In fact, really the only voice talking, it seems like, is the world's. And the world's perspective on relationships and sex and dating and marriage is totally different than what God established and intended. And that's partly why we find ourselves in the situation we're in. Um, I know that this is probably something you might hear, see it's like, whoa, in, in church? And can I say yes in church? And uh, I just want you to know that we do it with absolutely love. And we have some ground rules as this series continues to develop. In fact, we have two more lessons or two more weeks after this. Uh, we established them from the beginning. This in no way is a, is a message that should be ever condemned. There's some things that you'll look and see and hear in the Word, and the Word is our standard, that just says this is how we should line our life up with, and if we've missed it or we've fallen short, which in our humanity we all do, that's why Jesus came. Thank goodness that we can turn to Jesus, and he gives us a fresh beginning, amen? He gives us a new start. In fact, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning, clean slate, amen? And so we're not going to live with the regrets of the past, we're going to live with the hope of the future, and his name is Jesus, amen? So new beginnings and fresh starts here. If you're feeling condemned because of some of the things we talk about, and maybe you're feeling guilty or all that, that's the devil, that's not God. Because the devil says you're, you're rotten, you're lousy, you're going to always be that way, there's no hope for you. But Jesus says we all make mistakes, let me help you live life forward. He gives us a way out, amen? So that's how you distinguish between the two. So there's no elbowing your neighbor, <laughs> uh, you know, there's none of that going home, like, he should have been there for that one. And so um, any of that, and then hear it with, uh, with the uh, ears and eyes and heart of the newness that Jesus can bring. And so let's from today make better decisions on such an important area of our life. And so again, I want to, as your pastor, want to set that up for you. And again, if you're a visitor, um, please come back. <laughs> uh, but we, again, as Pastor Cody said, we, we want to let you know that we believe in the truth and the power of God's word. And we want to speak that out uh, without apologizing. We're going to do it in a, in a godly way. But we want to let you know that because we need the truth because the world, you know, homes aren't talking about this subject too much because it's awkward and uncomfortable. How, how do you do that? How do you address that? And, and let me say, if you're a, a parent today and you're trying to talk to your uh, student, your child, or, or your teen, whatever season yet you're in, uh, let us help you. Let us give you materials. Let us give you some biblical things that you can help bring that conversation. I would even say this series is going to be great. You can go back and watch any of the previous messages, and including this one as they come, and you can find through live notes, hopefully you're using live notes, you can find those talking points to sit down with your teens. Because let me tell you what, if they don't hear it here, they're hearing it somewhere. They're hearing it on the playground, they're hearing it on the ball field, they're hearing it in the locker room, they're hearing it. And as much as you think they're hearing it, multiply that by about 10. They're hearing actually that much more. 
And so we need God's voice in the midst of all these things. So we're going to pick up our story, and um, uh, well, actually, we're going to start here. Let me give you the foundational text again in uh, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs 1, 1. Here's what it says, Solomon's Song of Songs. Solomon and Kings, it says, wrote over 1,005 songs, but here it's identifying this one as like, hey, this is the Song of Songs. This is the most important thing, so pay attention. And she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Uh, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name, your reputation, like perfume, is spreading. No wonder everyone loves you. And what this is speaking about is not just a a love that is um, intimate in nature, in a sense, or sexual in nature. It is, people love how you love God. I mean, what this whole book really is talking about, loving the way God loves in every situation. And it's talking about your name, your reputation, for how you love people, how you treat people. People are noticing, and and people like that, and they wanna be around you, and they wanna love like you. Can it not be said, should it not be said of God's people? That the way we love people, should that our our name should be known, that this this is a place that loves people. That we want to love the way God loves. That's, that should be our goal as individuals and as a church, to love the way God loves. So that's kind of the, 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 the text or the theme, if you will, of our series. And the week one, as we're walking out this relationship being developed between Solomon and his lover, it starts, it was about attraction. What does God say is attractive? The order of attraction. And we saw that in the scripture, the way that it was laid out for us, God laid it out that way for us. There's a spiritual attraction that should be first, an emotional it should be second, and physical third. The world has flipped that and started with the physical as number one. Last week, we talked about dating. What does that look like? What's the biblical uh, boundaries, uh, what does that look like in dating? Because again, the world has completely changed or perverted that, but God's way is always the best way. And let me say it this way, God wrote it right the first time. It doesn't need help, it doesn't need adjusting, doesn't need to redo it. He wrote it right the first time. It is timeless. Change, things change, culture changes, generations change, but God changes not. His word will never change. In fact, the Bible says, let heaven and earth pass away, but one thing shall remain, and that's my word. So we can always count on the Bible being applicable, being relevant. So as we pick up the story, we're getting to the wedding, we're getting to the wedding night, and so uh, there's a processional going on. We won't read all that, but Solomon has about 60 groomsmen, and the bride's being carried. Ladies, you'll like this one. You may want to readjust your, if you're getting married soon, you may want to kind of implement this. Uh, the, the men are carrying the bride in on their shoulders, right, on one of those things and stuff like that. This is a wide enough aisle. I mean, that would work here. And uh, But <laughs> bringing them in on the shoulders and all that, and then they get to the ceremony part, and then we get at the end of chapter three, they're married, and chapter four begins their, their honeymoon night. Now, again, let me, start, let me say this. God's way is the best way. He wrote the book, this book, on intimate relationship. And so it was written, let me, give, let me preface it, it was written with a specific scenario in mind. It was always intended to be, let me make this statement, it was always intended to be man and woman married context, okay? So what we see in the scripture works, only works in the context God intended, the way he wrote it. He created man and woman, he created marriage, and he created intimacy to work in a particular way, okay? And so that's what we're reading through, so that needs to be the filter. And so uh, how it worked in that culture, you weren't really actually married until after the ceremony, after it was, uh, the marriage was consummated physically. Then, then you were declared married. In fact, the way the ceremony worked after that, and there would be a private chamber that 
the, the bride and the groom would go to. And then when they uh, came out at some point in time, then the reception would begin. And I think it's, it's interesting because again, God is bringing two people together to be one flesh. And he's doing something, not just physical, he's doing something very spiritual. And those are the things that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about intimacy. It's more than just a physical act. In fact, that's probably the lowest part of it. God intended it to be spiritual and emotional. And so God intended for these connections to happen this way. And so um, it's important for us to look and see what God's plan is because the world has such a voice and and, and so many things are speaking to that. and And we just can't be silent any longer. And so uh, let's see how the world views this. The world has a, a different view of uh, intimacy, of sex, if you will. And some of the prevailing thought of the world, the world's point of view is, it's just an animalistic action. Come on. It's just what we do. It's like, you can't help it. You just, uh, you know, it's do what you feel. And we say, I can't help it. God made me that way. And I would say, God made you that way, but he made you that way to function in the context of man, woman, marriage. He did. Because he, he expected that relationship to be not just to procreate or to create more people. <laughs> he, he meant it to be very enjoyable, very pleasurable, but he also meant it to be to create the strongest bond possible of all creation between husband and wife. It helps create the strongest possible bond between husband and wife, second only to a bond of relationship with God. And so we, we talk about being animalistic and the word that just follow your feelings and just do what feels good. And can I tell you, it's never really good to follow your feelings. In fact, let me say this. We don't follow feelings. We follow choices, our choices. And in fact, if we follow feelings, it's very dangerous. In fact, if we follow our feelings, most of us would be in jail right now. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I mean, most of you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but our feelings can be very dangerous. And, I, and I, I just laugh at this animalistic thing because can I tell you, animals... Animals don't know what they're doing. I mean, and, and think about it. I'm, last week I said, you know, I'm not a really outdoorsy guy. And my daughters at lunch told me, Dad, you really didn't need to say that. And I'm like, what do you mean I didn't need to say that? And one of my daughters said, yeah, just that sweater you were wearing and told everybody you weren't an outdoorsy guy. <laughs> so our coat today, she's not even in here. But anyway, so, so I, but I've been hunting a few times, right? And, I, and I've been with a few people who have graciously taken me hunting, and I've enjoyed it, enjoyed being outdoors and all that. And I remember going on uh, the first, uh, actually, first time I shot a deer, I went on a, a hunt, and we, had to, we got there early when the sun was coming up, and they're like, just be quiet, you know, you gotta be real quiet, and walk very quietly, and, be, and walk really, you know, carefully, you know, into the, the, the deer blind, and and then we're watching all these deer. And, and as anybody wants, I want to get these big, huge antlers. I want to get a deer that has these huge antlers. I want that. I want to put that on my wall or whatever. And, and so, you know, and then the guy's starting to tell me, he's like, well, you know why they grow antlers that big? It's because they've been alive a long time, right? They're, those are the smart deer. They're not the ones that wander out there and get shot. And they, they're paying attention. They're watching everything. They get great eyesight. They get great hearing. They get great sense of smell. And, and so they, those are the wise. Those are the smart deer. And then it dawned on me in the context of this message, those are really smart animals until one point in time every year in their life, and that is when they're in rut. When they are ready to mate. Then they become extremely dumb animals, and they walk out in the open field with their head down chasing the does, and all of a sudden, bam! And they're on somebody's wall. <laughs> I remember one time I went turkey hunting, and this would be my last hunting story, and I went, I went turkey hunting. I gotta tell you these hunting stories so you don't try to take my man card away because of my sweater last week. I don't know what that... That is. So we're going turkey hunting. And so the guy's like, you know, let's be real quiet, real still. And he gets out this turkey call and he's, he's imitating this turkey sound by this thing. And it's interesting to me that, that to get the big tom turkeys in, the big male turkeys in, that he was using a turkey call, calling them in. And it was a, it was a female turkey 
the call is. And then the big tom turkeys would come running, you know, it's like, come on, God didn't create us to be animals. He made us in his image. We're creating the likeness and image of God, amen? We're not animals following some kind of animal instinct because you know what'll happen? Bam! You'll be on the devil's trophy wall or on his table. So we're not animals. That's, you know, God had a different plan and design and desire for all that. And so, um, now let me give you another one. The world tells it this way, that it's a recreational activity. It's just a, it's kind of like a sport. It's kind of like it's okay, partners and multiple things and have as many partners could live it up because you're going to be tied down to one, you know, you're going to be tied down one time. Like the fun's over, right? It's like, when you get married, the fun's over. So have all the fun you can right now. It's like, that's totally opposite. God says, that's when the fun begins when you get married. In God's context, amen. I thank you for that one hand clap. That's like a little, a little golf, a golf. We're at the golf course right now. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Okay. Uh, and, and then the last one, an isolated event, perhaps the biggest lie of all, that it's really not an isolated event. And again, I don't want anybody feeling any guilt here and stuff like that, but you know what happens in Vegas stays with you. <laughs> it doesn't stay in Vegas. And it just, it goes, it goes with you. And, and again, reason why is because God created it for a certain setting. And so that's why it's important to get these things in God's order and find out what God's order is and then live our life by it. And God made it such a spiritual event um, so that you know, he could bring two into one flesh. And he wasn't just talking about physically, he was talking about spiritually. Something happens in our heart. And God made it that way because he wanted that bond between a husband and a wife to be the strongest of any creation. And that bond right there. So uh, again, now maybe some of you are feeling a, a little bad or whatever. Again, don't, don't hear it through those ears or see it through those eyes. Again, his mercies are new every morning. Can I say he makes you brand new? He makes all things brand new. He makes unrighteous righteous. He makes impure pure. Uh, come on, somebody. He's a good God, and he's a good God. A fresh start, new beginning. Don't let the devil lie to you. Let's live life forward. So we let Jesus take care of our yesterday and we just look to make better choices and decisions today. Amen? Okay, let's look in chapter four, verse one. Here we go. Um, How beautiful you are, my darling. Now they have moved into the chamber. That's after the ceremony. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair, I love this. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the, that wasn't on any Valentine card I looked at, by the way. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the mountains of Gilead. Now understand, I've done all the homework for you, the culture of that day. Understand the mountain of Gilead was known for having goats that had dark hair, dark coats, black, pitch black. So the imagery here is what he's saying to his bride now is like, your hair is so dark and beautiful. And it's like the goat's descending, so she's let her hair down. So he's just recognizing now in the chamber this physical thing. So you just have beautiful hair, and I love how you wear it up, but now you've let it down. It's so beautiful how it just hangs down. And it goes on to say this then, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. It's like, man, I'm glad you brushed your teeth. That's basically what he's saying. Thank you. That's, that's a positive thing right there. And he goes on to say, and I love this, each has its twin, not one of them alone. And you got them all. You've washed them, brushed them, and you got all your teeth there. You know, it's like, thank you. You know, so this. But notice what he's doing. He's, work, he's working his way down, okay? Very intentionally, okay? Uh, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely, noticing the shape and color of her lips. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of pomegranate. And what he's saying is you just have this beautiful color of your cheeks and around your head and your lips. Again, he's admiring her beauty, working his way down. 
Your neck is like the Tower of David built with courses of stone on it, hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. And that's an interesting analogy there, or allegory, but he's talking about you carry yourself with such elegance. There's just no, something noble about you. How you hold your head, and your beautiful hair, how it hangs down, dark hair. I, just, I love your sweet smile, your lips, your teeth, and your neck. You're just so elegant. And, and again, notice here, and this brings us to our, our, our first point. He's doing something here. Here's our first point. Great sex, God's way, is affirming. Is affirming. And so he's taking the time. He hasn't touched her. I've gone in there and he's just looking at her beautiful hair. Your hair is so beautiful. And, and he's, he's looking, you're so elegant. You're, you look so amazing. And so can I tell you guys, take notice of that. He hasn't even touched her yet. He's talking, he's doing something here. Before I touch you, before we make love, I wanna tell you something. And men, we need to know this, that women are greatly motivated by their ear gates, what they hear. Come on, men, we need to know that women are motivated by what they hear. They're different than we are. It's what they hear. And so what they hear is most important to them through the ear gate. I want to remind us, or Solomon rather, is reminding us of how important our words are. Men, we need to affirm her. Great sex begins with affirming her. God's way, as God intended, is with affirming her, giving her affirmation. And then we put a guard over our mouth also on what we say. There's things we don't say we need to be careful of because our words can hurt, our words can cut. Your words are critical to godly intimacy, men. Your words are critical to godly intimacy. There's so much more going on than the physical here. Uh, you know, it's just interesting we know that because I can't remember what I said five minutes ago, you know, but my wife somehow can remember what I said five years ago. You're wearing those jeans and that sweater the girls don't like. You were wearing that when you said that and all, you know, all this stuff, whatever. So it's like there's, we need to know that then and we need to understand that when we come into these moments of intimacy that one of the best things we could do is start by affirmation, by affirming them. And so, hey, your words are critical to God's intimacy. And you know what? Can I say it this way? It's the same with God. I mean, you know, there's like 130, 150 chapters in the Bible that talks about how God wants to be worshiped. In fact, we did that today. We sang songs, but you notice that song, Oh, How He Loves Us, Oh, How He Loves Us. We're singing about how much God loved us, and then all of a sudden we switched it, and we started singing, Oh, How I Love You, Oh, How I Love You. You know what we're doing? We're affirming God. Which one of those you think he probably liked maybe the better? I mean, he loves the fact that we understand his love for us, but man, when we go and start saying, how I love you, God, and when it comes out of our heart and our mouth. The Bible talks about you know, declaring the wonderful works of God, declaring his majesty, how big he is, how wonderful. He knows he's holy, he knows he's great, but he wants to hear it. Because here's what we say, he's like, well, he knows, God knows my heart. I mean, he knows I love him, I don't have to do it. Well, why do you write it that way then? If he didn't want it, he wouldn't have written it that way. And I just want to encourage you when you come in here, don't worry about what anybody else thinks, worry about what God thinks. And don't just don't think like, well, he knows, but just go ahead no matter how you feel. Man, worship him, adore him, affirm him. He loves that. It's important to do that. He wrote it that way, he created it that way. And so you, you love them and serve them according to their love language. And so let me say it this way, ladies, same thing to men, affirm them. Parents, make sure you're affirming your children. Children, make sure you're affirming your parents. Man, I'm so blessed. You're just a great parent. I just want you to know we don't always agree, but Dad, but man, I love you. Thank you. We, those words of affirmation are so important. We need to recommit to affirmation. All right. That was, that was a great part for an amen right there. I, I don't know if you just missed that. Okay, all right. All right, thank you. Oh, it's late now. It's too late now. Okay, all right. Verse five. Keep going. Verse five. Okay, let's hold on for a second because this word. Okay, wait, okay. Your, 
Here we go. All right. Read it how the Bible says. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. It's just like it says right there. But let me, let me, yeah. All right. Just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible. Okay. Okay, I've been hunting before. It's a man story. I've been hunting before, and uh, back to the hunting story, and I remember, you know, going out and, and sneaking up to the, the blind or being out there, and there's deer already out in the field, you know, and, and so just being real careful, real cautious, real quiet, you know, that's the thing, because there's deer, deer on the field. You just don't jump out of, the, out of the trees and go, hey, here I am, deer, here I am, because what's going to happen? They're going to run away. Okay, that's the picture here, right? You come, and you're just real quiet, and with tenderness, you just don't jump out and say, okay, twin fawns, here I am, I'm here. Because what's going to happen? They are going to run away and hide. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says. Okay, let's move on. It means exactly what you think it means. Okay, so what you need to know, point number two, that great sex is tender. Hear, hear this, great sex is tender. Uh, the world has made it very selfish and very demanding. Great sex is tender, and, and Solomon understands that. And maybe, maybe we need a bit more of that in our culture. I believe what's being said here is that, that it's become, it can be very selfish and very motivated by just desire or want and, and not considering the other person. Sexuality today in our culture can be very selfish. Our world's gotten away from affirmation and tenderness, God's way. And we need to get back to God's way to get God's results, amen? All right, verse six says this. Until the day breaks, he's going on, Psalm's going on. Now notice this, in this chapter, up until this point, really most of the book, the lady does all the speaking. But in this chapter, the honeymoon night's interesting, 16 verses, Solomon speaks for 15 of them, right? Because of the subject matter, right? She speaks the last one, so he's still talking. Notice this too, he hasn't touched her yet physically. So it says this, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, and basically he's talking about there's no hurry, there's no rush, there's no rush, my darling. Basically, what he's saying is, we're not going to be in a hurry here. We're going we're gonna to take all night long. And that's where Lionel Richie got his song. All right, okay, all night long, right? Okay, that's it right there. Song of Solomon, now you know. Okay. And so he's talking about, though, this isn't a rush. This isn't about one person. We're just going to take our time here and being together. And so notice that he mentions, let's finish the scripture. I go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. He names two mountains and he named two mountains and that explains it right there. Okay, number three. So let's take from there. Number three, great sex is passionate. Godly sex is passionate. And so we don't understand that word passionate very well. We think it's some kind of physical attribute that's expressed, like some kind of a, a aggression or something, some kind of emotional outburst, but really it's a commitment. I'm passionate about something. I'm committed to something. I'm willing to take an, make an investment in it no matter what happens. I'm in for the long haul. I'm passionate about this person. I'm passionate about this. And the devil will lie to you and say, God's way is boring, and that's not true. It'll say it's not passionate, and that's not true. We just need to understand passion is about commitment. And so people today talk about falling in and out of love. You don't fall in and out of something. Love is a choice. A falling out of love really means I no longer want to make the investment. That's just the harsh reality of it. It just means I no longer want to make the investment. I'm, I've used this analogy before, and, and it was back several years ago. We have a fireplace in the house that we, we just moved from. And so it was, uh, one day my wife, it was a cold rainy day. She wanted a fire, built in the fireplace. And I'm like, oh, seriously? 
let's just get, let's just get some more blankets or something. And she's like, no, nah, the fire would be nice. And I'm like, okay, so let's go. I go out in the garage to find the firewood. There is none. And so I'm thinking for a second there, there's no firewood. Oh, she really wants a fire. So the only place I can go for firewood, I come up to the church because the wood that's there for the fire pit and whatever. And so I drive up to the church. It's kind of rainy. It's cold. I'm like, oh, fire. I got to get the firewood. And I get up here and, and all of a sudden I get to the box with all the wood in it and it's wet because of the rain. And I'm like, oh, it's never going to, okay, just, I tried and I was going to get back and I'm like, no, it's just the top wood's wet. So I just start unloading all these dust wood to get to the dry wood put it back in the car, and my attitude's not really great right now. I'm driving, driving back to the house, and she better lick this fire, and better appreciate this. And I throw the firewood in there and get the fire going, and it was a great time. And can I say, that's passion right there. That's passion. Passion is that you need to be willing, that no matter what, to put another log on the fire. Make the investment. Make the investment. And can I tell you, it's not that we fall in or out of something, it's we get lazy. I was being lazy. I don't want to do it. And can I tell you, I'm lazy when it comes to that, that you know, take it however you want to take that. But, you know, the new house, however, can I tell you the new house, I, I never wanted a, a fireplace again, to be honest with you. The new house, however, has a fireplace, but it's a gas one. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So, <laughs> you put another log on the fire, it's work, it's an investment. And so, be willing to make the investment. And so I want to say this to me and hope you get something out of it. We need to restore the romance. We need to restore the passion. We need need to buy some flowers again. Get our favorite candy again. Get rid of the kids again. (laughs) And again and again and again. Go on a date again. Go on a date again. Give her some compliments. Light some candles. Put another log on the fire. Make the investment. And just like the woman's gate, ladies, let me talk to you for a second. Just like the woman's gate is the ear gate, ladies, the man's gate is the eye gate. It's the eye gate. It's what they see. So ladies, let me say it this way. Get rid of grandma's flannel nighty that's been passed down for generation to generation. Right? Get rid of that. If, if it's their eye gate, they got to see through something. Don't wear those things that even a nuclear bomb went off. It wouldn't be enough light to see through it. Goodness. Huh. After first service, my wife made me make sure to tell everybody she doesn't have a flannel nightgown, by the way. I just, <laughs> uh-huh. There you go, honey. Okay. <laughs> but they're comfortable. They're warm. I don't want them to see me. We need to recommit to the passion again. Put another log on the fire and it will burn. Verse 7 says this. Let's keep going. Got to keep going. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. He hasn't touched her yet, and he's still talking about these beautiful things. How beautiful you are, he's saying. How beautiful you are. Now listen, remember, if you were here in chapter 1, we talked about how she was talking about how ugly she was, how not beautiful she was. She says, dark am I. Remember, don't look at me. She said, dark am I, unlovely. Don't look at me. And now he's telling her, you're so beautiful. She was very insecure about how she looked. Again, he hasn't touched her. He's telling her that right here in this chamber, my darling, if you will, he's saying, this is a safe place. In here, you're the standard. In here, no other women measure up to you. You can be safe and secure in who you are and how you look in here, honey. He's saying that, and God is saying this, that what Solomon is revealing to us, that great sex is secure, that you create a safe place. Be careful again with your words. He made a choice to make his wife the standard. Come on. 
Listen, the world has tried to change the standard to something unattainable, something airbrushed, something impossible. And listen, men, your wife is the standard for all other women which do not measure up. Amen? And in that chamber is a safe place that your word should affirm her. Remember, I laughingly joked about where the flannel nighting, I don't want him to see me. So we, we turn the light off or whatever, turn the light off. Listen, you're not having another episode of Naked and Afraid, right? It's a safe place. Create that. Create that safe place. That's what he's talking about. This is a safe place. And in here, sweetheart, you are the standard. He made a choice. And ladies, make sure your husband is the standard. We need to be a standard in our spouse's eyes as men. And hey, I may not be all that, but as long as she thinks I am, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So great sex is secure. Create a safe place for her. Reassure her that men, your, your bedrooms are not a, a, a place for demeaning words or saying, making remarks about her body. Reaffirm her. Appreciate her in every way. I, you know, here's the thing, ladies, uh, rejection for ladies is different than men. Uh, ladies can stand in front of a mirror and be drop dead gorgeous and find a flaw. Men, however, can stand in front of a mirror and be overweight, just get out of bed with bed head, unshaven, and say, man, you're looking good. You're good. It's awesome. But men, men are insecure about their abilities. So men, be careful what you say. And ladies, be careful also because rejection sometimes can, can make men feel insecure about their abilities. And so we all have different feelings and emotions associated with some of that, but we need to be mindful that that is a safe place. That is a secure place. Uh, men, and so let me say this, men and women look at security differently, and if they're not getting it in that environment, they will look for it somewhere else. And the world will accommodate them. The world will accommodate them. God made us different. Typically men, desire, typically men desire sex more than women. There's a study that says men desire it um, most on days, interestingly, that begin with the letter T, Tuesday and Thursday, today and tomorrow, <laughs> Saturday and Tunday. <laughs> Thought it was time for a laugh right there. Can I get a little serious? Uh, get a little serious sometimes, Scott. Okay. Uh, four, nine, and ten. Let's take a look. Okay, here we go. Verse nine. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance over your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. And now he's saying to her what she said over in chapter one, verse one and two and three. And it goes on to say, let's go ahead and bring up 11. Just keep moving. Here's what he says. He goes, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Let's stop there for a second. I think it's interesting. Now they're getting close to this and he's talking about, really he's talking about kissing there. A deep, passionate kiss. An open mouth kiss. And can I just say it in a French kiss? Although this was thousands of years before France was even a country. It's a Hebrew kiss. But now he's talking about being physical with her. But understand everything that we've already experienced in, in what God has revealed to us through Solomon, affirmation, security, uh, having all those things, walking out that process there. And so now we're getting into the physical part. So it's not until verse 11 that he actually physically touches her. And this is where he, he kisses her. And so um, 
you know, so we need to be mindful of, of those things. And so let's keep going, and we'll finish that scripture out. The fragrance of your garments, like the fragrance of Lebanon. Verse 12, uh, you are a garden. Now listen, 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 listen. This is, a, this is big. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. And now what Solomon is doing is appreciating that she waited for him. So having said that, I know that we all have pasts and we all have other previous times before and things, I, I get that. Again, hear the hope into the restoration of Jesus, amen? Hear the hope in that. But let me speak to young people now. Young people, this is so precious for you to keep until that wedding night. Come on, married couples, married people, older people, you should have jumped on that one all day long, okay? And for everyone here that had a different experience, they would say this to you. And so you hold on to that. That's precious to him, that's precious to her. Young men, it's precious to her as well. And again, I'm thankful for God's grace and mercy, but can we look at making decisions, better decisions, and not get caught up in the pressures of this world? And when schools are passing out condoms or things like that and stuff, we don't have to go with the flow. We want God's standard because we want it God's way. And Solomon's just thanking her for keeping herself for him. And, and that's something that young people need to strive for. And again, if you, other people, if you, you've been there, so thank God for him making things new again. So hear the hope in that. Okay, let's keep going. Your plants are an orchard, nard and saffron, calamus and pomegranates and choice fruits with henna and nard, cinnamon with every kind of incense, tree with myrrh, aloes, all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Let me finish with this one. Great sex, God's sex is holy, holy. And let me encourage you to make those choices. Love God and love your spouse. Again, find the newness and the hope that he brings for a fresh start today. And let's start from this day forward, making better decisions. But let me say this also, don't start a process that was never intended to be interrupted. Hear me, young people, especially singles, because now everyone's like, well, how far? How far did you get? How far is too far? Starting is too far. Because understand the context. God meant this to be man and woman in marriage. And it was never meant, this process was never meant to be interrupted. Not to play and see how far we can get, because what God meant it when it started for it to play all the way out, ever intending for it to be taken and used differently. He never had that intent. So, let me just say this, just help yourself in this. Don't start a process that was never intended to be interrupted. Okay, let's finish this out. Verse 16 is the only verse that she speaks in this chapter. So she finally responds, verse 16. Awake, north wind, come south wind, blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste his choice fruits, and it means exactly what you think it means. And I don't need to explain that one. Um, but then, now understand this, then all this process, we've just walked out five steps already before this happened. And so God has a plan and God has a way. And she invites him in because it was done God's way. You know, the last two weeks we've ended on, closed on a scripture that says, do not wake in love before it's time. That's not in the end of this chapter today, so we won't go there, not today. But this is time, it's time. That's why that scripture's not there. It is time. It's the right way. So how do you close a message like this? How do you close a message like today? I was praying, looking, seeking, asking, searching to find a verse after the message today. What message can we bring to close this off? What scripture 
really is important for us to finish this off today. James 1, 22, King James Version. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. All right, come on. Get a big amen on that one. Come on. Let's follow the word of God. Let's do what the Bible says to do. Do what the Bible says to do. I love that. I love the scripture. I love that it, that it gives us principles and then it gives us hope. Amen? I just want to encourage you as we close our service today. I know this is perhaps, wow, we, this in church, yeah, yeah, we need to. Because it's not being talked about out there. It's not being talked about in the home very well. So it's important for us to bring the word of God. My heart, my hope was that you really didn't shut down because of any hurt or anything in the past or even because of the subject matter or whatever. Because the enemy's been whispering in people's ears, I know, based on history and things that have happened and stuff. And here today, the hope of today and forward that God is a good God and he's a God of the new. He's a God of fresh starts and new beginnings, amen? He can restore those things. And that's what I hope that you hear. And then from this day forward, let's all take to heart what the word has said. And as always, the word is our standard. And in our, in our humanity and in living out life and the pressures, we'll make mistakes. We will all make mistakes. No one is perfect. But when we miss it, we make a mistake, if you will, then let's be quick to repent and get back on track with God's plan because his way is always the best way. Amen? All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to open the word, to see the truth. I pray, Father God, that it was received as it was meant to, as it was intended by the Spirit of the Lord, despite, Father God, perhaps how I delivered it today. My heart and my hope is it was able to, 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 to penetrate the, the hurt, the guilt, the pain, Father God, that people feel, the, the hardness, Father God, that people have built, built because of broken relationships or divorce or abuse or things like that. The, the, the truth, the love, Lord, gets to the heart, Father God. That's, that's, that's been my prayer. That the love of this word, the hope of this word gets even to the, the hardest covered up of hearts today, Father God. And that you, Father God, plant a seed there that will produce. And the Father God, that you can restore again. You can renew again, Father God. And pain and guilt is lifted. Rejected is lifted. Fa- rejection is lifted, Father God. Often taken away, Father God. And that we release those things unto you, Lord, in Jesus' name. That you are the restorer. Your mercies are new every morning, Father God, and you are the God of new beginnings. You make all things new. Today, that is our prayer, Father. I pray that people are ready to release and to receive that, Father, in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.